Hi everyone, um, I'm Rufaro and welcome to Technically. No, 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 Technically. Um, I am joined by Valentine. Hi, Valentine. And Id. What's up? How you doing? Uh, so this is a podcast where we dive into all things tech um, and we just share our thoughts about the latest and greatest that we've seen um, launching in world. Uh, so to kick it off today, we're going to be talking about something that's quite fascinating, if you ask me. So we've had flip phones and then we went to sliding phones, I believe, and then touchscreens and then foldable phones. And now we are at rollable phones. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a strange sort of place to be because um, I thought the LCD, the, the, the touchscreen phones or LCD phones back then were going to be, you know, there, there was no innovation that was going to come above that. They were just going to get bigger. Like you remember the 2012 with the phablets, you know, it's a phone, yeah. but it's a small fab, uh, tablet. But I never thought we'd get to a point where we'd get something with an adjustable display. Like, I think that's a serious, serious game changer because if they can get that to work, actually, there's something that actually works already because LG's got that TV, that rollable TV that you can expand and, and attract. So there's something similar on the market, but to get that into people's hands where it'll get dropped and, you know, falling water, I, I, I don't know. Do you guys think that it's possible for them to get something like that working? Um for the market in 2021 is going to take longer. It's one of those things that, you know, it's a concept that you hear off and then, you know, like never comes to the market. So that's very interesting. Hey, I, I think they've been working on it for quite a while because sometimes as consumers, we don't really see what these guys are doing like behind the scenes. We just see what they pump out. Um, but then you, you have to think like, okay, they don't just wake up today and have a rollable phone. Um, and it's actually exciting, as you're saying, because uh, there was nothing really fascinating anymore about smartphones, where it kind of hits the peak, as, you, as you're saying. It's a glass lab, and that's pretty much it. We're trying to make it thinner, um, lighter, pack as much processing, but it always looked the same outside and worked the same way. But now there's this phone. So picture this. Um, so it's a tablet, uh, right? So instead of it being as wide as a tablet, it's initially about as wide as a smartphone. Um, But then you have um, a button um, that you press and when you press, there's some motors that start moving um, left, right? And the display essentially starts uh, expanding and it rolls out until it's as large as a a tablet. Uh, So the benefit this is for like foldable phones is Okay, you don't fold it, so it's less thick. Um, and the other thing is also there's no crease um, on uh, on the middle because you're not folding anything. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on on this device where like it rolls out? Uh, would you would you get one or it's like ah this is too early? Like what Valentine was saying, you know what? It's gonna take them a while. Um, to get to this is just a concept, but you looking at it, is this something that excites you or you're just like, ah, I'm not about that rollable life? I think, uh, I think I'll, ah, man, I don't know, actually, because it being a 
a disk that can like roll out at will, it means it's going to be soft in a way. So in terms of the stuff, the material that's used to build that display, that display, it's going to be the same stuff we've been seeing on like the Huawei Mate X and the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold Flip 2. I don't even know if that's the <laughs> name, but, but yeah, something like that. But like, it's going to be the same flexible material that's also going to be pretty delicate. So durability wise, it's still tricky. But the concept itself of, I think it's the better implementation so far, kind of. Ah, again, it's, it's a tricky one. Would I buy it? Um, I don't know. Have you guys checked out the LG, the one with, that, with two displays and then it swivels? One stays in portrait, the other swivels from portrait oh, to yeah, landscape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's okay, also right. another form factor that you'll be like, okay, uh, wow, this is different. And from a durability standpoint, I mean, it's still technically a sliding phone, that one. And so the displays have the proper protection we, we're, we're used to, we're happy with. But so long as stuff starts moving on a phone, no longer water resistant. We've seen that in, in all the movable phones that have been created so far. So again, you're going to lose that. Uh, Novelty-wise, I mean, something that I won't... I think let me rephrase it like this. I won't buy it as my daily driver slash main phone. It might just be that phone where, you know, I'm just I'm just using it as a secondary phone. So for example, the the Oppo X twenty twenty one, I feel like I could best just use that phone for stuff like media consumption or gaming. Um, I so this is fancy like just typing on it every day and whatnot, I feel like I would just kill the display, man. The motors will just be on. And did they post some cycles? How how long will it take for you to kill those motors? I don't think they posted duty cycles for those things yet or uh, lifespan of them. It was just the demo mm-hmm. ad, what's it called? Uh, is it Nico 2020, 2020? But I'm pretty sure that okay. it's not at to the level that they want it to be at. I'm pretty sure they, well, not pretty sure, but I'm guessing they were, you know, copying off LG's notes uh, to some degree, but I don't think they're part of the <laughs> point where you can get it to, you know, like uh, I remember flip phones back in the day when we used to test them. Um, they'll put them, put them on that machine that'll flip them hundreds of thousands of times to see what it'll happen. I think they just have a one working device and I don't think it's, it's they're, they're still working out the kinks because um, I was even re- uh, watching some videos of people who had them, who, who, who had like the first uh, feel of them and they were saying, yeah, this, like I was just saying, it's not a phone that I'm going to use as my main phone just yet. It's going to be something that I'm just going to mm. keep around. And it now it now doesn't only push away the foldable phone, it also pushes away the tablet in a sense, because if you're going to use it strictly for media consumption, you don't need a tablet anymore because you can keep it in that widest 7, 7.2 inch um, size. And it's pretty, it's a small, I think it's, a, it's an iPad mini sort of size. So I'm pretty sure, yeah. you know, who's going to get it when it launches, it's pretty much just going to be, you know, something they're going to put in a, in a glass case and then leave it there, which kind of ruins it because you want... You want something like that to, to be something you can use every day. But tech never works that way. Because, like, remember when um, the Samsung Fold came out and um, it had the crack screen problem, the creasing, like the very serious creasing at the beginning. We're going to expect those problems when this thing comes out. So to answer the question, would I buy one? Probably not. Like, I'm one of those people who, would, like, anything that comes out, I will get it when there are enough... Uh, they they they've tested out enough. The first you don't want to be a guinea pig. 
No, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like nothing's gonna be expensive. It's gonna be like a thousand, probably above uh, near the one point five to get something like that. Um, so I'd rather invest in the next gen than the, the first gen. I don't know. Or would you want to buy something like that? So for me, it's 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 too big. Um, so it'll be that. So right now, I have a OnePlus Seven Pro, and it's a six point something inch device. And already, there are moments 6. when I'm like, okay, 6. <laughs> yeah, six point six. So there are moments when I'm like, you know what, <clears throat> this phone is too big. Like, it's a size. It's it's good when you're trying to consume something, but then other times you're like, okay, um, this is too much. Oh yeah, so, one-handed so, usage is crazy. <laughs> yeah, so so coming from that perspective of, uh, I don't think it's actually about durability um, for me, like what Ed was saying. So for me, um, I care about my gadgets a lot. So I I don't think I will be, uh, you know, mixing it with um, sharp objects or things that could puncture the the screen or something or scratch it. So it's not from a durability point of. It's just from me using the device day to day uh it just won't work because yeah um right now most of my media consumption is on the disc with a monitor um if i'm out i'm not really going to be watching anything or I'll watch it on my laptop so it's like that tablet um use case is not there in my life currently so already from that perspective i wouldn't um get it and then there's also the size factor to be like okay even as a mobile phone, it's it's now too big because you can go up to seven inches and it's like, eh, no. Um, and then the big one that you mentioned, Valentine, would be price. So if it, if it managed to meet all the uh, things I'd want in a smartphone, a, a, a daily driver smartphone, the price is just going to be like, okay, this is just too damn much for me. Um, I'll leave it alone. So yeah, short answer, no, I wouldn't buy it <laughs> so let's let's just say um because we've seen like technology like this come and go like remember back in the mid 2000s when lg was starting the modular phone where you know you could put components that you wanted a better camera and switch it around that stuff was cool but and I never there, was this other, there was this other company that came around the 2015s i think um i know google tried it with project what is it project what ara it, it might project. be that uh, with or, like blocks at the back and you could like slot them in and remove modules and things like that. Uh, mm. But yeah, carry on, carry on. Okay? I think like, is this, is this a novelty that we're going to see a flash in the pan novelty? Because foldable phones are kind of in that realm of, yeah, it's only around up until someone comes up with a better way to, you know, meet the, the need of the consumers who want the big display, but with the, with the, with the, with the, with the compact sort of storage um, situation. Do you think we're going to get to a point where we're going to see the apples adopting this if this catches on, or it's just a case of, you know, this is just those one, that one design that is so far ahead of its time that we won't get up until someone like Apple or Samsung, you know, puts it into some sort of quote unquote, you know, consumer, you know, what is what to call it? Like the, the, the best possible consumer product or the, the best fit for market product. So, so I don't think they are the end goal right now. Um, I think they're a stepping stone, um, as you're saying, to something, something else. Uh, so affordable, I don't, I don't think people, or at least uh, from my view, I don't think people will end up using affordable phones, but something that comes after 
um, foldable phones because now we are experimenting with, you know, bending displays, um, folding them, rolling them. And eventually that would then get us to, uh, I don't know, it might resemble a foldable phone, but it like a rollable foldable phone, but I don't think it will be just that. Um, it'll be something different. Am I making sense? I, you know, you start questioning yourself, you're like, okay, in my head, it was making sense. But the more I try to explain it, the more I go, okay, before the word. <laughs> but it definitely came through. But yeah, I think I think I think I I have to agree with with Rufaro there. So first off, I don't see Apple making something like this in the near future. Uh, I mean, there are some rumors that Apple is working on a foldable phone, but I think the reason why Apple might be working on a foldable phone right now is because uh, there's been some reasonable success, if I may say, with. Uh, with what Huawei and Samsung have been doing in the foldable space. So not too sure which route they'll take, but yeah, rollables. I don't see Apple coming through soon with that one. Then again, what's happening in the smartphone industry is tricky because it's a very competitive space now. And uh, there's a lot of saturation in the market when it comes to uh, people with smartphones. I mean, we still have a long way to go here in Africa and probably some parts of Asia, but uh, the rest of the world, yeah, they're, they're getting saturated with smartphones and brands are just look, I feel like they're looking for something that will uh, either give them an edge or that'll just keep uh, people in their minds. So Oppo, for example, has been doing, it has had a couple of firsts actually. At one point, it was it was making the world's thinnest phone. At one point, it was making the first phone with a 2K display. And at one point, it was one of the first dudes to bring a pop-up camera for for both the front and the rear cameras. And so, you know, it's it's stuff that's then designed to just generate buzz about the around the brand and not something that'll actually foretell, I guess, what the future is when it comes to uh, that particular product. So uh, the Oppo X, I feel like it's probably one of those where a company is just trying to make something that will just get people talking about their company. And so, yeah, it's cool because someone might actually pick it up and be like, you know what, uh, let's roll with this because it's actually something that the crowd wants. But yeah, we've also seen a lot of concepts that just, yeah, that just die away, man. They just, they just ended concepts. I mean, there was the OnePlus, I think it was the OnePlus, uh, OnePlus 7 Pro McLaren edition, if I'm not mistaken. The one with, with that, um, uh, that could hide the camera modules. It had like an electrochromatic glass on the camera. So, yeah, and it looked like, yeah, it looked like it's a phone that anyone can just buy. And that was all those those functions of like um, ND filters using that uh, that chrom- electrochromatic glass as an ND filter for the camera. I mean, it looked so cool, but then it just ended as a concept. And 
I think several other smartphone manufacturers have done that as well, just to create buzz around their brand, but doesn't really get produced. Kind of like they're baiting and switching us. It's not fair, especially if they're <laughs> cool products like that. But yeah, it's it's thing that I think as of right now, we can expect a lot of because of just how competitive the space now is. But isn't it a case of, of um, uh, okay, I'll take the car industry, for example. There are some models that are made for Europe, America, and Africa. Um, they will have varying degrees. So could this be a case of the, the, the smartphone companies, and this is just hypothetical, are trying to gauge where the interest of these products will be. Obviously, stuff like the rollable phone and, and stuff is meant for the premium markets, you know, where the most people can afford it or the greatest number of people can afford it. And then, you know, be some, of these, some of these other ideas will then have use cases in other markets. So I know there was this fad of these, um, I, I think Cat came up with a durable smartphone, like a Uber durable smartphone a while back. And mm-hmm. it was meant for, you know, the, the NGOs and rugged explorers and all that kind of stuff. And those kind of things never take off. I think the idea is, like we were just saying, to generate buzz. But then again, it's to see probably investor interest to see, you know, who would, who's thinking this can be big. Um, because you've got a lot of people, you know, the Richard Bransons and et cetera, who say, okay, I think that's a nice idea. Like what they what they did with Hyperloop, and they said, you know what, it's it's an interesting idea. Let's try to put it into implementation and then invest millions of dollars into it to see if it will work. So almost like the Microsoft Hololens, where um, it's not a device that everyone's just going to buy, but you might find use cases, for example, in construction um, work um, or in factories, where you can be having this experience of your augmenting. Um, your reality with something virtual and just seeing both at the same time. So that's why you can try to say like, okay, um, there might be some way where these devices work. Yeah, it's gonna be an industry where they're actually applicable. Like uh, Google Glass, I remember making fun of it that, you know, it's never gonna catch on because the design of it, the, the idea was brilliant, but it was just, mm. it just looked clunky. Like it didn't look as sleek as it should have. But so many people used it and said, said it was good, but it was just it didn't look right for the market. And most of these products are like that. But you can think of, of a number of situations, a number of situations now where stuff like that would be useful. For example, for architects, for surveyors, you know, with, with enough processing power, you could you could there are a lot of use cases for that kind of technology and it's probably being implemented somewhere. But I think in any case, it's that is the market big enough? Because if these patents, they'll have to sell the patents to these things, right? To whoever wants to, you know, for that development, because you, know, you file the patent to protect the idea, and then you know um, when it moves along and someone wants to uh, use it or a, an idea around the sort of concept, yeah, then people buy the patents. I think, like what what, uh, what I was saying before, I think it's just people they're, they're probably gauging the market to see where this would be useful. For example, Xiaomi came out with a phone a couple of weeks ago, a concept for a phone with um, the first retractable um, smartphone camera with a, I think it's a telescopic lens that goes out and then it retracts back into the display. That's cool. Don't really see where you want to put it in the phone, like why you'd want to put that into mass market, even if it comes. But then again, you could have people who, for example, Sony pride themselves on cameras. I think um, Huawei as well does. But it gets to a point where, you know, they want the tech. I'm sure it'll be back to a deal to, to, to sell the patents to those ideas onto those companies that can actually use them. Even... Um, you know, it wouldn't be strange to hear a camera manufacturer like Canon or, or Hasselblad decide, oh no, we want to make a, 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 a photographer-focused smartphone. We want to take the, the, we want to change the format. You don't have to carry a medium format or a DSLR to go out to shoot. 
you know, you can just, if you have your phone on, you've got enough equipment to get, you know, good enough shots. And I can kind of see where that uh, retractable lens, because it gives you just so much more you can do. And with the number of cameras that, that, that phones have now, they use that technology and they say, yeah, it's going to be expensive, but it's for people who, the one who are going out and then see an opportunity, but don't want to lug around, you know, uh, a whole, you know, uh, array of, of, of cameras and lenses to do something that, you know, one lens could do or a phone could do, but is not capable of doing just yet. I don't know if I'm making sense, if that makes sense. Yes, uh, definitely makes sense. Um, I was seeing it more as it, like you know, people just trying to um, create buzz. But yeah, um, definitely there is that um, angle to it where um, there might be a real use case, um, people who could afford the devices and they actually uh, buy them. Uh, so yeah. Uh, any thoughts more on the Oppo and the rollable phones or we get to the really exciting stuff or, or the stuff that I'm like super pumped to talk about? Uh, I, I'm good. Uh, I think we've talked about the rollable phone for longer than anyone else has. <laughs> <laughs> we can dive into so many tangents, but oh well. I think, I think for now we can just end it here. But what's the consensus like before we end it? Who would buy it and who wouldn't? Oh, I question. No. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you don't. Have, no, I wouldn't buy it. Um, I, I, I feel like there are better, there are better form factors out there that are worth trying out, uh, right now. So yeah, that's that's only why I wouldn't buy it. Okay. Um. Uh, so. <sighs> Sorry, something just came up, so it like distracted me a bit. Um, so the thing that I really want to talk about is Apple. Uh, we mentioned Apple a bit, and um, it was talking about how they won't be getting into the foldable phone space anytime soon. And that's typical of Apple. They are very slow and deliberate with what they do. Sometimes we all laugh at Apple. We're like, ah, oh, come on. This has been on Android devices for so long. Um, how come you're only getting wireless charging or fast charging or water resistance or this and that? Um, but I think it pays off sometimes when you really look at how Apple in certain key areas is pretty much in a different universe um, from everyone else. And one of the things that Apple had not done for a long time is creating their own um, processors for, for their laptops. So for the longest time, well, for forever, pretty much up until 2020, they've been using um, Intel. Um, they might have used AMD before, yet. I'm not sure, um, but they've been using Intel uh, for the longest time. And now they've come out with their own um, in-house built processors and they are calling them the M1. Um, so M1 processor and they have a fresh new line of MacBooks that are powered by this. And the performance, how do you even express this? Like it's one of those things where you're like, okay, um, this is Apple like showing that, okay, for the longest time, we're quiet, we're working, and these are the results. They're letting the results speak for themselves. So it's a similar situation with iPhones in that the iPhone uses a custom um, processor that they build, and it's in terms of raw power, it's pretty much ahead of 
every other mobile device. The same thing with um, the iPad is pretty much ahead of every other mobile device because they make the hardware, they make the software, and they manage to bundle these two so well that everything's efficient. And they've done it again with the laptop. So they've essentially brought the magic they did on iPads and iPhones to the to the laptops. And you now have a situation where the MacBook, the new MacBooks with their um, Apple processor are essentially faster than all their previous ones uh, for the same specs. And sometimes a lower end MacBook would be competing very close to their highest end uh, MacBook that had an Intel based um, chip. So yeah, what are, you, what are your thoughts uh, guys before I keep on having this be a monologue because we have heard, this is just the intro of what <laughs> Apple has done. And it's like, well, what's this? Why is this guy so excited that Apple has so done exhausting. this? <laughs> Apple, yeah. Apple has been has been one of those companies that I have always had faith in, you know, that they would um at some point get their own processor, processor into their own uh well notebook uh, laptops. And for a very long time, yeah, they were using Intel and Performance is great. Uh, I think I had, well, not had, but I think I borrowed. Oh, borrowed is a strong word. <laughs> I think I'm using that term loosely. But I, I, I had a chance to use um, uh, a MacBook. I think it was the two generations ago. And it's it's great and all. But then when you when I see the specs that they're putting out for this and the performance that they're putting out for this, because I've been reading a bunch of articles about um, this, and I think Engadget had um, an article that said that the, the new MacBooks are, are outperform PC bar none like and it, it was all very impressive to see and i think it just speaks to the, to the strategy that they use that they, they won't rush it at all they will just you know gradually push up until the point where they can then you know implement their own product and then just blow us away with how good it is and it kind of makes me feel like they're doing this not just for the investment they made into uh, these chips is not just for a single generation it's for a couple of generations until everybody sort of you know up and catches up. That, that, that's that's where that, that's where my book ends about um, the, the the new MacBooks and their chip. Mm. It's 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 very interesting. So a very interesting part about it is um, a while back people were saying that guys the I think that's the time when Apple had released the A13 Bionic. And then in the iPad, I think it came in as the um, A13X, if I'm not mistaken, but it had its own like little different naming structure from the stuff that was in iPhones. But it was so powerful that people were asking, why can't we just, um, why can't we just put, uh, try and run Mac OS on the thing and see if, uh, we can't, you know, make it more productive, make the iPad more productive by putting uh, Mac OS on it because it's clearly capable. And I think they kind of showed it with the M1, uh, the M1 processor in the Mac because um, for now it's, it's, the numbers are just crazy. So for example, 20 hours of video playback. 
you can't that's like that's like the kind of stuff you you might you might see in like a very beefy tablet or something not not a laptop like so, so- laptops are, laptops are, if you get like 10 12 hours from a laptop that's a very good laptop but this one is promising 20 hours but at the same time it's smoking everyone because i think the macbook air is actually fanless and and you know you start it's it's crazy it's just crazy that you get so much performance uh the amount of performance you're getting pay i'd say per watt is much much greater than anything else in that class of a product so they've outdone themselves and i think for now they're just experimenting to see how it is with the macbook air and the like the smaller macbook pro 13 but um it's very interesting i think no there's a there's a there's a mac there's a, what did they, that desktop mac i think there's also a desktop mac that they the um, mac mini the mac mini yes exactly thank you so much there's also that mac mini so i think it's still they're still starting off with the cheaper stuff to just see how it goes um performance is out of this world definitely um what's still the problem really is just that it's so new and because it's so new there isn't any Uh, there are not a lot of mac apps that have been optimized to use that uh that processor's architecture to work with that processor's architecture because essentially the m1 is kind of like a modification of their mobile processor of their uh, a14 bionic so it's 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 running on like the arm architecture so because of that um applications need to be modified or to be optimized to operate in that um with that architecture so according to some reports those that are optimized are working much better than on intel based uh, macbooks which is insane and those that are not exactly optimized either don't work or they 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 don't perform that well but it's a very good place to start i i think i don't know there's a few guys who might ask this question once and i was saying do you think um do you think apple in like the middle i don't know medium term would want to sell their m1 chips or their apple silicon as they were calling it do you think they would sell it to other brands like uh, hp dell you know all those guys So before I get there um I just want to re- like go back to what you're talking about about the battery life and so that's the crazy thing hey insane battery life and at the same time insane performance how did they do that how do you how did they do that <laughs> the performance of something because what happens is the more powerful something becomes the more energy it requires right so it consumes more power so you'd expect more performance less battery life which is pretty much always the case so even on smartphones high refresh rate poor battery life on laptops same thing if you have a gaming laptop um, like the one that i have poor battery life but performance you can push really good graphics when you're playing games and here apple is saying you get to have both yes your cake keep it and eat it too at the same time like how um but yeah that's that's mind blowing uh now to answer your question and i think it will feed into what i was saying 
I don't think they would sell it um, to anyone simply because no one else is doing what they can do. So why would they sell it? Because they are not in the hardware business of like selling components to to other companies. Um, they are direct consumer uh, business. So I don't think they'll sell because they're losing essentially their key differentiator, which right now is uh, insane battery life and performance as far as the, the new MacBooks are concerned. Um, so yeah, just like how the app, the iPhone is still the only phone with their, what, what is it called? A bionic um, chips. Um, I don't think they'll also sell the M1, but Valentine, what do you think? In terms of selling it, nah, I don't think they'll they'll become um, a vendor for their own stuff. But they've never done it before. I don't really see them doing it um, at any point because I don't think for them it's enticing to give people their internals or to give their internals to someone else. Uh, probably there are going to be cases where they could be tempted to do that. Um, the only case I can see is probably collaborations. But then again, I've never done many of those anyway. So I, I, I don't see them taking all this time and effort they've put in to put such a product out there to then just say, no, you can vital and the question is do they even need to like sell it off because i'm sure they've been doing fine by themselves so i don't know do you guys think they need you know maybe will, will there be a need in the future that will arise for them to just say okay the money's worth you know shelling out this this take out these chips out there to, to all our other competitors oh i thought it was going to was going to go um no, I don't think they need to, to sell. That was the question, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think they need to sell. Um, yeah, uh, pretty right. Uh, it? It's, it's crazy, man. Okay, so knowing Apple, I don't think they're going to sell it. I think the Apple way will be if you want to experience our performance, and pretty much you just have to jump on onto our ecosystem. So it it ends up, so the performance of the processor will actually end up being a marketing tool for the, for the Apple ecosystem. Everything is optimized for their hardware. And so everything just performs. It'll, it'll probably be a marketing campaign of, hey, everything performs better on a Mac. If that's not yet out there, Apple, I'm, I'm copywriting this one. You're gonna have to buy it from me, but yeah, <laughs> I have a feeling that that'll that that's more of their stance when it comes to when it comes to their chips because they that's what they've been doing all this time. Um, if you want all the best stuff, you just have to have all the Apple stuff so that you can experience all the best stuff. So yeah, I mean, like um, Apple also. So Apple released a a smart speaker way back sidetracking for a little bit, but they, they released a smart speaker and it wasn't really the smartest of smart speakers around, but it had very good quality audio. So this year they then released a smaller version of that smart speaker, uh, slightly more smarter, but um, also excelling when it came to sound quality. And it looks like if you have an, most of the highlight features of that speaker, especially the smart ones, only work if you are in the Apple ecosystem. So if you and your family members have Apple devices, Apple smartphones, Apple tablets, Apple laptops, MacBooks, and whatnot. 
So I think that's exactly how the M1 will be. So it's going to have some killer, killer specs, killer features. Um, again, another side note of a side note. I'm not really a fan of how they integrated the RAM with the chipset. So a processor actually has the RAM built into it. So it's just one single unit. It has a speed advantage because the distance between the RAM and the actual processor using that RAM is now very, very short, but that effectively means you cannot upgrade the RAM of whatever PC that you get. So it's another Apple it's thing, those Apple quirks. It's, but it's yeah. an Apple trap though. Like it's an Apple oh, trap yeah. that if you want to upgrade, <laughs> come to the manufacturer. <laughs> well or oh, just buy a new you... one. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Given how you don't get a charger now in the in the box of an iPhone, I mean, RAM is like it's a luxury if they're going to help uh, have a upgradable RAM. So are they trying to send you loggers to a generation, like to lock to lock consumers to a generation of devices? So if you need to get the new stuff, you know, buy the next gen or stick to the old and just enjoy that. So, so I think um, the other issue is that the people who voice about upgradability, they're the minority in terms of the people actually buy uh, from Apple, at least I hope um, my assumption is right. So I think Apple, yeah, then, looks at it from, Apple then looks at it from that point of view of, hey, most of our consumers, they really ever come and complain to say, hey, I want to upgrade my RAM. Why can't I do that? So it's then like, okay, why add extra flexibility um, and make things more complex, slower potentially, just so that we make the very few who want upgradable RAM happy. Um, so it's almost, it's almost the same thing that Apple always uses um, when they're deciding whether to introduce something into their phone or their laptop or their iPad to be like, okay, majority, where are they? Oh, they're here, minority wants this, okay, no. Uh, we'll go with the majority, make things simple, and um, have the greatest user experience. Yeah, that's a very cool point there. Um, I think Apple has the data to know that um, um, what what majority of the people want is this, and they can. I guess they can use the data to their advantage to kind of cut some corners as well, just so that um, you know they remain profitable. They are the one of the most profitable tech companies on the planet right now, but um, but yeah, it, that's that's just the Apple way, I guess. And the sad part about it as well is, as geeks, we are the minority, and we are the people that are crazy about those things. And uh, most likely, people like us are the ones that are just gonna watch this, and not the rest of of the people that would use Apple products. And in a way, Apple has this philosophy where um, they kind of have an understanding of what would be the perfect product for their clientele. So probably we are not their clientele. Like <laughs> us, us guys that are so, you know, so fussy about specs, fussy about uh, options, fussy about personalization. Probably we're not their market at all. Probably their market is more of a person that says, hey, I just, I just want a device that I know and trust will do the job. And so 
I'm just going to go with this brand because for the longest time, they have been well known for just uh, doing the job. So, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think in Apple's future for you know, even their, their medium term plans are to facilitate people who are into like the market that's interested in, you know, sensibility, upgrading the stuff. I think they want to push us on to the next product and the next product and the next product. In a way, it's kind of going on with Apple in a journey of sorts because you get to experience every step of the way. But then in other times, it's kind of robbing the consumer or, or some segment of the consumers that want that sort of freedom to be able to do what they want with their, with their device to change this and that. I think they're missing, kind of missing out on that because I'm pretty sure there's a large market for people, you know, who I'm guessing there's a reason why most, most, most quote unquote geeks go for, for PCs because you can just do what you want with it. As long as it's within, you know, how the device was, was come up the box, you can change up things um, however you want. So I think they, they're sleeping on a big market there. You know, if maybe they can create an option in the, you know, an, an, an app after the Apple, uh, the Pro, you can then you can then have the, the the Mac developer, you know, very expensive, but with, you know, the options and everything that you want. Now to say, is it worth Apple's time to, you know, rework everything they've done up until this point to facilitate that? Probably, but I don't think they'll do it. Because again, uh, I'm sure there's some assembly line issues that will come up. Um, we're trying to do something like that, and a lot of redesign. So I don't see them doing that in the. Yeah, so that's a very interesting thing. Um, so I was watching this video, and they were talking about how the design, the current design, like hardware-wise of the, not hardware, like show-wise, right, um, of the MacBooks was essentially preparing for this new chip, like. People, it didn't make sense with the Intel because with the Intel, um, the MacBooks were the thermal throttling, so they were using too much power, and then you start having the performance of the CPU being limited, um, just because of the way the MacBooks were thin and like that. But now all those issues are not there once they've put their custom um, chip in there. So it's like, oh, they were making this like device be ready for the chip that they were yet to release. Um, so yeah, so if they were to try to do um, that whole customizability, it would mean like totally overholding a lot of things, um, which probably would not be worth it um, in the end. But you say it, it would be, but they just won't do it. They kind of suck that way, you know, give the people what they want. What they <laughs> want a lot of device, give them what they want. And they make a lot of money from it because I'm sure developers are there that would want uh, an Apple device. And you know, you can sell the the, the upgraded parts of uh, um, the interchangeable parts at a, at a premium. Like you just make more money out of it. So why not just do it? Come on, Apple. Yeah. So I would actually want a MacBook, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it it comes to that issue of you know the price and what you then get. Um, but with this like new change of the M1, so for example, you have the MacBook Air actually being able to do um, to some degree, some form of code compilation, right? And doing it at a relatively um, like reasonable rate in terms of how, how long it takes as well as um, whether you're facing any thermal throttling or things like that. So from that perspective, I think they might have also um, in a way made it easier for people to start like developers to start even getting entry um, level 
um, Apple laptops to just tinker with in some form or, or shape. So I'm actually interested in what they're going to be able to do in the future. So like um, Ed mentioned earlier that actually most of the apps um, are not yet optimized. Um, so, but still you see this um, process of being able to to push insane performance. So now imagine once all the third-party developers, so if you're a video editor, Adobe, they um, optimize the Premiere Pro for for the MacBooks, um, as well as I think Android Studios was available for MacBooks. So if you're a developer, they optimize it for the new processors. And what else is are we going to be able to do with this new processor? Um, and as Apple keeps on improving it, um, what's what's we, how far are they going to be able to take this? Because already with version one, they've essentially blown everyone's mind. And it's like, okay, um, can't wait to see what else um, Apple is going to be able to do. Yeah, it'll be an interesting, interesting trip for Apple. Once the higher end, uh, the higher, well, with Apple, like to see the more expensive devices come out. Hello? Hello? Yeah, uh, Hello. okay. <laughs> Looks like I've been lost there. Uh, oh, no, I'm not saying I was interested to see it. Yeah, you're back. I think it'll be interesting to see what Apple do when the when the higher end, um, well, the more expensive um, uh, MacBooks come out to see the direction they will take and if developers will take to them with them tinkering with uh, with, with the low end devices. Although I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like a de- developer's perspective on this. Um, would you buy one just to tinker? Okay, let's say you could. Would you buy one? Yes. Uh, so <sighs> if I could actually afford, I would buy an iPhone, a MacBook, um, an Apple Watch, and an iPad Pro. Um, just to have devices to tinker with, um, to see how Apple apps are made there. Um, how's that like going? Because that's the problem. You can't make iPhone apps without um, an, a MacBook or an Apple device. Uh, so yes, I would. Uh, it, it's a very simple answer for me. Okay. But yeah, uh, so speaking of developers, um, something else, Apple related is, um, so every time you make an Apple, an iPhone app, sorry, so you have to like apply to Apple and you say, okay, I want my iPhone app to go on here. And if it's paid, um, they look at um, how you're going to be earning money. And then you come to an agreement where Apple takes um, a tax uh, for for every sale um, that you make. So previously this was at 30%. So if you made, is my math correct, $100, Apple would take 30, uh, right? Yeah, pretty much, sounds about right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you don't have to be good at math to be a developer, FYI. So so yeah, so it was at 30% and everyone was pretty much shouting and developers didn't like this. It's like, it's too much money. So imagine you're a startup, you're just starting and um, you have your paid app there on the app store and you're trying to build a business around it. But every time you you earn revenue, um, Apple is then taking 30%. And now Apple has come out and said, okay, we're slashing this to 15% for uh, small businesses that make less than a million dollars a year, I believe. So it's good for all the small businesses um, that make less than that because now you're paying 
15% instead of 30%. But then again, uh, yeah, I feel like it's, they could have done more. I don't know. Uh, what, are, what, what do you guys think? Ah, so that one is, that one is, is tricky. So I guess for small, for small, well, for businesses in general, because even the big guys are complaining, um, it is a really big cut considering um, the margins you have when the space starts becoming very competitive. So a 1% dip in your profits or a 1% increase in your profit is a huge number if now pushing um, apps like like wildfire. I don't even know if that makes sense, but um, it for me, it doesn't feel like it's fair. I don't know how much like uh, uh, platforms like the Google Play Store charge for for these apps, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty intense. And I guess it gets worse when um, Apple then starts decreeing that um, all like in-app purchases through go should go through the the Apple uh, Apple's uh, App Store because that kind of means that even the collection process of that revenue is now being assigned to Apple and probably it's some data that a developer would want to have so that they understand the customer of their app, of their products. And so in, in that regard, ah, it's, yeah, I, I feel for the developer in, in that regard. I think 30% is a big cut, even 15. Yeah, I think 15 is, is still huge. Yeah, it's, it's difficult with, with, with the tax because you're essentially putting people in a position where they are going to have to choose Android. Um, again, I'm not sure how much Android charges for them, but it should be probably around the same region um, or less. Um, but the cut is encouraging in the sense that um, to the people who are kind of uh, kind of uh, priced out for making apps or making apps with an app purchases for the app store, they kind of have an in now. You can not even to say they will make them, but at least they'll at least think about it. Um, and you're serving a, a whole new market now, and you don't know what you know. People who never had your product available uh, in the in the app store can do with it all. You know, something they they might have wanted but didn't know they needed. So I think it's good that they cut it. Um, it makes sense that they do that, especially for small businesses, because again, it's, it's a game of startups, and there are lots of startups coming up, and then it's difficult for them to then now push their um, their app or you know, oh, it's an app, their app for for for, for the app store because the, the, the daunting prospect of having the 30% commission is, is high. 15%, I think, is good. I think it should be the first step in dropping it further. I think what would be fair to me, especially to businesses, to businesses, is to tier it. So, for example, if your business is making, like what they're saying, less than a million, you pay the, 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 the 15%. If your business is making less than uh, 500,000, you pay 10%. And then if your business is making 250,000, pay 5%, you know, that kind of stuff. So to, to tier it, to make it more, you know, accessible. Um, for anyone who wants to make it, because at, at before they did the tax, the the Apple tax cut, I'm pretty sure it was pretty bad for developers. But I, I'm speaking on behalf of of, uh, of developers, uh, refer as a developer here. Ah, uh, so so I I I it's not so 
it's not uh, it's not enough. So here's the thing, right? So Apple just wake up from nowhere and said, oh, we're gonna do this nice thing and cut the tax from 30% to 15%, right? Um, so what happened is they is epic epic games, right? So they make Fortnite. Um, so Fortnite is a game. I, I'm correct, right? Ed? These game companies confuse me sometimes. But, yes, yes, Fortnite is like epic games. Yes. Epic. So they then had this um, like um, essentially battle with Apple where Fortnite was saying, hey, um, <clears throat> you're charging us too much. Uh, you need to lower your your, your tax. Um, and they were all sorty about that, right? And then Apple uh, was now being attacked by essentially everyone else because Epic had essentially opened this door of, hey, um, if you want to have the taxes reduced, rally up against us. Um, so Fortnite, I believe, was taken off the A- Apple App Store uh, at some point or something. Um, so it then became this whole story. And then now it seems like um, Fortnite has gotten Epic, Epic Games. They've gotten what they wanted because the tax has been reduced. Um, however, actually, from what I was um, reading, it's not that big of a change from from Apple's point of view because remember the catch is that uh, for small businesses who are making less than a million dollars and these are the majority. So these are the uh, not yes they are the majority. So these are the majority. However, um, the majority of their revenue from from the App Store comes from the minority. So you have. Those that make more than a million dollars are the ones that are bringing in most of Apple's revenue um, from the App Store. So they are still on the 30%, right? So as far as Epic Games is concerned, uh, because Fortnite is a successful game, they're still getting charged the 30%. But then now Apple looks like a good guy because what they reduced the tax from 30% to 15%. um, And they take a small um, revenue cut because um, the majority of the people who are getting this benefit from the reduction in tax are not bringing in that much um, revenue from from their end. So just by looking at it from that perspective, you then discover that, oh, actually, Apple could have reduced it further because most of their revenue is coming from the people who they haven't done anything tax-wise. So could they have gone 10% less um, or to cut it at all, um, as uh, Valentine was saying. So maybe it's it's a banned system. So if you're below a hundred thousand or something, then there's no tax at all, um, etc. Uh, so from that perspective, I don't think it's it's that much. They could have done better because already most of their revenue is still not impacted um, because the people or the companies that make more than a million are still paying the thirty percent tax. Uh, we put it like that. Yeah, it kind of sounds like Apple kind of, <laughs> kind of just you know baited and switched us. Like, oh, we're trying to do something, but you know we did something good. Look at the good thing, but behind it is just you know business as usual for them. Yeah, so I, I feel sorry for Epic Games though, because I, I actually hadn't thought of it in that way. That you know Fortnite is a massive, and they're still gonna have to pay the thirty percent. Hey, shame. That is business. You know, it's not personal. <laughs> it's a shame. So, so I was I was just fumbling through YouTube the other day. And I bumped into like um, this video of some top tens, and there was that um, the most expensive uh, speeding ticket ever issued was um, one million Swiss francs, which is about six hundred fifty-six thousand pounds. And 
I was like, how did they calculate that? And according, according to the, the Swiss government, um, you are given a tra- if you are speeding and you're given a ticket, your ticket is proportional to your income. So that guy, well, the guy was doing like 290 kilometers per hour, which is, <laughs> which is madness. <laughs> but um, his ticket was proportional to his income. So I just thought of that when you guys were we're talking about uh, talking about the tiering of these uh, fees that Apple has, um, but I also think that uh, Apple is Apple's justification would be, hey, the caliber of uh, of an audience that you're getting from the Apple ecosystem is a valuable um, audience. So, I mean. Statistically, okay, I don't know where I read the stats, but statistically, don't quote me too much on it. Um, the average spend of an Apple user is usually higher than that of an Android user for whatever it is they pay for or they buy using their phone. And because of that, um, Apple will sell their audience at a premium. So they'll say, hey, if you want to access our audience through the App Store, um, we know the value of our audience. So we're going to make sure that you pay for that value. And if you really want it, because I mean, these games are going to have their in-app purchases, their, um, I don't know if their downloadable content in there and, and such, they'll say you're most likely going to get revenue from those, uh, from those purchases through our Apple, uh, our Apple audience than with any other audience. And I guess to them, it becomes some form of a bargaining tool for them to charge those massive fees in Apple tax. But yeah, that's, I don't know. That's, that's just how I feel Apple would kind of like justify what they're doing. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we own the platform, we have the audience. uh, So you gotta pay up. Makes sense actually. Uh, makes sense. So yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, this one was like pretty short and sweet. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to to cover? Uh, I think for now I'm good. We aight. We good. It's enough tech for this week, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess All the right. other one would be hey, hey, wait, wait. Before we go, um. Um, uh, this week is Black Friday. So what, what tech stuff would you guys want to get? Or are you guys getting? I don't know. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm too cool for that, man. Why are you bring this up? Why are you bring this up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what Valentine said. Like, it was inevitable. No, I mean. About it, thinking about. <laughs> it's like, it can this... be. But it can be like a wish list. So, so I want to get um, open back headphones. Uh, so that's something that I really want. Um, so Sennheiser HD six 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 yeah yeah, and then that would mean an amp as well. So you'd need an amplifier on the on the desk as well, and maybe a mobile amp as well. If I'm going to be using them on my phone, because the thing with with these open back headphones is they're hard to to power. So you need an amplifier to to help with that. So that's like definitely on my wish list. What's the other thing? Uh, ah, well, I also want more RAM for my laptop. 
but yeah, I think what, sixteen I, gigs is not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. So there's this game called City Skylands. It's a city building game, and it requires more RAM for it to like really really shine. Um, like I can play it, but then it's like sometimes I'm just I I feel the limitations of the power that I have. So I want to get more RAM to see if truly the RAM improves um, the situation because once you have a city, I, I think mine was now at like 100,000 people, I think. Um, so you now have a lot of people being simulated in the city and they're moving around and all this like stuff happening. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I would want more RAM. Um, so for you, it's RAM and open back headphones plus an amp. Yes. Uh, yes, I think that's it. I feel like I'm forgetting something though. Ah, I don't know. Clearly, it's not important if I've forgotten it. <laughs> what about you, Valentine? Uh, I want a lot of things, but I like things. Um, so the first thing I think I'd want is is a curved display. Um, I I'm a, I'm a fan of the dual monitor setup, but then I think just one giant curved display just makes everything better. Um, that would be number one on my wish list. Uh, number two would be obviously getting a tower, which is, you know, kitted out to last me and up until the apocalypse, because I, I think that's a purchase I'm going to make once. And if, if I could get it on Black Friday, I would want to get, um, you know, something beefy, you know, probably liquid cooled, you know, just, just, just so. And yeah, number three would be a gaming chair, like, a, um, you know, one of those very comfortable gaming chairs. Uh, those hours do crazy while you're sitting and you need something comfortable and nothing about what I have not comfortable just like you know you know something can be better yeah that's that's where I'm at okay okay and, and you, you Mr. Ed uh, mine is a long list okay so I, I guess I'll start with stuff of great importance to me right now so uh, definitely need to try out uh, the Huawei smartwatch so either the Huawei GT2 or the GT2 Pro. I don't know which I'm going to get uh, depending on these Black Friday discounts, if I'm even going to get it on Black Friday. But anyway, I would, li- I would love that. Dive deeper into the ecosystem. Um, second on my list is headphones again, but not open back, more of better noise canceling headphones. So uh, again, uh, the Sony WH-1000XM4s, if I can afford them. If not, then the 1000XM3s. Then I also would want an Xbox gaming pad. I haven't, I haven't played games uh, seriously in a very long time simply because I am afraid of killing the keyboard on my laptop. So I've decided to scale a bit back on that. But I really want an... Ah, I don't know. I feel like ah, it's too clunky. Plus, if I'm going to buy an external keyboard that I like, it's halfway towards an Xbox One controller. So let's go all in. Yeah. <laughs> let's go all in. So, so yeah, I, I think I'll have an, an, external, an external keyboard when I sort out my desktop setup. Right now, I don't have anywhere where I can put a desktop. So... Uh, that's why I'm not mentioning it, but yeah, near future, near, near future. Uh, so is there anything else? I think that's, that's it. Uh, while we watch GT2, 
Sony headphones and an Xbox controller. There's plenty more stuff, but I think those ones are like top of the list. (laughs) Top of the list. Yeah, there's some tablets involved and what, but I won't go into that. Not now, later. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought I like things. Wow. Uh, uh, All right, guys. Um, It was cool chatting with you. Um, Until next time. Y'all. Thank you all for listening.